Hi, this is Colt. And this is Carly. Welcome to our podcast, Streaks and Shivers. This month is Scary Story September, where we'll be telling folk tales, urban legends, and just scary stories. Yes. So, Cole, did you want to go first or do you want me to start? I can go first. Okay. So, my scary story comes off of Reddit. I couldn't find the um, person who originally told the story, but it's pretty freaky and I think you'll enjoy it. So... Many years ago, I was on what is called a meet and turn. This is where a driver that is domiciled out of one city will drive a load halfway to its destination. While a driver domiciled out of that destination will drive halfway with a load that is destined for my city, we meet in a parking lot, switch trailers, and drive back home. I'd been on this run for a few months and found that I always got to the meet point about an hour before the other driver. It was dark and an empty dirt lot at about 3 a.m., so I would stretch out across the seat and take a short nap. One night, about 10 minutes into my nap, I was awoken by a barking dog. I tried to ignore it, but it carried on for several minutes and got louder as the dog got closer. Soon, it became apparent that the dog was right outside of my truck barking at me. Okay, either this dog is lassie and is trying to alert me to something or else he's just a pain in the butt and I will need to throw something at him to scare him off. It's important to note that the barking had been going on for a good 10 minutes at this point. So I set up and look out my window, standing there mere inches away on the other side of the glass. About 35, he was a yellow and was barking at me. His eyes were crazy and he was foaming at the mouth a little. The scene really held my full attention for a moment. The sheer creepiness of this struck me. Gently and making an absolute minimum of sudden movements, I reached down and started my truck and slowly pulled away. He chased me, like you might expect an angry dog to do, barking all the way. (laughs) That is a very creepy story. I just find it funny because, like, I don't know, have you ever, like, been somewhere like like been in like I guess you know hear dogs barking at night yes could you just imagine that it's just someone out there making like barking like a dog I think it's a lot creepier to think about it being in a vehicle where you where one your vehicle is mostly made of glass windows so if you sit up and you look outside you expect to see a dog and instead there's a person standing there watching you yes and I pick truckers because I just feel like they have the most scary and interesting stories because they're driving so much so they get to see a lot more of the United States and also where they sleep is open to the public so they probably do come across a lot more crazier situations and I like I know we've taken several road trips and during those periods we've also camped out at campgrounds or off the car and slept at rest stops um or at truck stops ourselves and I know that's always been a concern of me is that somebody might try to break in while we're sleeping or do something crazy so I can only imagine that that trucker like what he was feeling when he realized oh this is a big person outside my window and they're obviously not in their right state of mind because He thinks he's a dog and he's barking and he's also frothing out his mouth, which would suggest he's sick or he's on drugs or something. Or just a weirdo. (laughs) Yeah. 
The other thing that kind of stuck out to me is it sounds like this trucker had done this several times. So he'd been parked in that parking lot before. So it makes me wonder if this man just came across the truck by like spontaneously or if he'd seen the trucker parked there before and decided to go up and bother him. Yeah, it's just super like scary and creepy. And, you know, it's just I don't know. It's kind of just like I said before, it's scary to think like you're just thinking it's a dog. And the next, you know, it's actually a person mimicking the sounds of an animal. Something about that just unnerves me. I think a lot of it is also like kind of if you think back to shapeshifter legends where there's like this fear that something is appearing to you as one thing, but really it's something else. Yeah, definitely. So you don't know how to handle it. Ugh, so creepy. I got another story. Um, okay. So this person is called uh, Coco San, and they posted, well, I'm not a trucker, but a motorcyclist, which kind of makes it even more spooky, drove home from my girlfriend's house, just a 20-minute ride, but it was 3 a.m. 3 a.m. again. And the road goes through a forest without any street lights. So I'm riding through the forest already, giving everything my little uh, 50ccm dirt bike had in it back then. And suddenly, on the side of the road, a naked mannequin is standing. I saw it appear in my headlights and drove by it only doing like 60k. It was scary as hell. A mannequin standing there, naked on the side of the dark road in a forest at 3am in the morning. Damn. I still get shivers. That's really creepy. It makes me wonder if it was really a mannequin or if he accidentally came across just somebody standing there. That's even creepier. Yeah, and if he passed it by, like, and because he was passing it on a vehicle, he didn't realize, like, oh, that's actually a person. I just, something about seeing out of the road while you drive oh and in a moat and on a motorcycle would be even more terrifying because you're out in the elements you're not even you don't even have that glass and metal to surround you yeah you're you just, don't have any protection you're exposed and the ideal of like driving past someone like i don't even like to drive past joggers or people on bicycles but there's something about 3 a.m 2 a.m 12 it's like no one should be out there right no one should be out on the side of the road but the ideal of driving past someone and it being a mannequin or like you said just someone standing still is so freaky i agree and i also think that it's like especially if you i think he said he was driving through a wooded area that adds an element of creepiness to it yes because you know the woods it's already like in a way if you uh stare at the woods long enough you can like your eyes can play tricks on you yeah because our minds they want to find a pattern and we like our minds are really built to make out a pattern and especially patterns of faces or like human shapes our mind is constantly looking for that and so it's easy for us to see that type of stuff even if it's not there and maybe it is there in a terrifying way we've probably all had that experience where we're driving down the road usually at night sometimes it can happen in the daytime but a lot of times at night and out of the corner of your eye you think you see somebody on the side of the road so you look back either through your rear view mirror mirror or your side mirror or just over your shoulder and you don't see anything there and it does kind of give you that spooky vibe yeah um 
So my last story is um, takes place in Texas. It is posted by Jim Ball, Jim Ball, Jim Bob Paul off of Reddit. Oh, a good friend of mine told me this story years ago. He's the stereotypical old big bad trucker. I've seen some weird stuff with him while driving in South Texas along the border. He never batted an eye, but while telling me the story, he had goosebumps and a con- concerned expression, which from this guy is about the equivalent of a trembling lip and shit-stained pants. I'll tell this story in the first person as he told it to me. Years ago, in the late 90s, I was on my way from the house, Central Texas, heading to Laredo to pick up a load. Around 4 or 5, I'd just come off a string of days at home, so I know I wasn't tired. I was one of I was on one of those two lanes, winding roads in the absolute middle of nowhere, when I see something on the side of the road at the edge of my hill, a high hill, sorry, at the edge of my high beams. At first, I just thought it was roadkill, as is usually the case. As I got closer, I can see that it is roadkill, and there's someone crouching over the deer carcass. I remember thinking either this guy's taking the antlers as a trophy, or he's fucking sick. As I got closer still, I can now see that this guy's eating the deer. He's pulling chunks of meat from the stomach and bringing them up to his face. At this point, he stops mid-motion and looks up at me. Not at my truck, but at me. He, slash it, stands up, and that's when I see that it's fucking huge, brown, and covered in hair. I remember thinking at this point, oh fuck, this thing is standing on the tiny shoulder looking at me. By this point, maybe three seconds have passed, and I'm about to... I'm about to the point in the road he's standing at. I didn't even think of stopping. In fact, I'm starting to lay on it to get the hell out of there. As passing by, it's looking at the side windshield at me. He obviously has the intelligence to know that there is a driver in here and knows where I'm sitting. As I start to pass him, I can see its head above the hood of an old needle nose Pete, old truck design where the hood goes straight out from the windshield known for being tall and difficult to see around. This thing is fucking giant. I remember seeing what looked like human intelligence in its eyes. It scared the shit out of me. And that's the end. So, some type of Bigfoot creature. Yeah, honestly, when I first read it, I thought it was going to be, like you said, like um, a shapeshifter, which you mentioned earlier. But yeah, more of a Bigfoot creature, which I don't know. I couldn't imagine a book for a Bigfoot creature around Laredo. Um, I guess like there's legends that have them all throughout the United States, but yeah, they're mostly more towards like the Pacific Northwest area. Also, something about Bigfoot being a scavenger just mm, doesn't sit right with me. I think more of a like, I don't know what kind of monster would eat like a shapeshifter. Well, we don't know if that deer got killed by a vehicle or not, or if the Bigfoot that, had killed it and it just looked like roadkill. That's true. I think what's really scary about this story is just coming across something eating a carcass and it has a humanoid shape. Yeah, and the idea that it could like try to jump in front of your truck or do something to damage your vehicle so you're stuck out there with it. Yeah, and as he describes it, it was huge. Like he could see it as he drove past it in a truck, like an 18-wheeler. I think part of the reason these stories are so creepy is because they're typically in isolated areas where you're alone. 
and they're also in like liminal spaces like roads are kind of liminal and so I think they already have that creepy quality to them oh yeah um and I just want to say when truckers have to drive through national forest or like you know those long stretches of the highways their stories get a lot crazier Mm mm-hmm which then you don't know if it's just because they've been driving for so long and their mind's playing tricks on them or if it's like there really is some creepy stuff out there. And, you know, they're out there on the roads when, like you said, it's liminal space. So imagine a road that's completely empty, barren, and you're just driving on it for so long or you're in parts of the states where, like, most people don't go. And I mean, we've heard about stuff like road hypnosis or other things where your mind starts playing tricks on you or you start losing track of time and like just different things happen out there. You know, I don't think our like, I don't think we as a species have adapted yet to be isolated for such long stretches of time and also to just be doing one task for so long of a period of time. Before, um, and I, I agree with you on that. I think definitely, like, I think isolation is a key element here in these stories. And like you said, humans aren't used to isolation. So there is a big possibility that that isolation does cause, you know, them to start seeing things or imagining things. Oh, did you have something else you were going to say, though? Um, yes, I actually was going to say... Um, I, I I didn't include some of these stories because I, they were too short. But a lot of these truckers mentioned that, like, sometimes they don't always get to a truck stop or a proper place to rest. So they'll pull over to the side of the road. And a lot of them have act, actually woken up or they say they have woken up to being surrounded by people, which is very opinion. And these people are very hostile when they wake up. Yes, I can only imagine. I mean, I guess in a lot of these areas that are more isolated, you may have more like criminal elements out there where people do things because they don't think anybody else is around for them to get into trouble. And so if they see a trucker out there, they like they don't want them there because one, truckers have a radio that they can use to reach out to others and, you know, ask for like law enforcement or something. And two, I don't know, like, they just don't want anyone to witness what they're doing. I just think it's terrifying. Like one truck driver, he mentioned that like he woke up because he felt heard like people climbing around on his truck. And like he as he woke up, he found out he was surrounded by people and they were all yelling and throwing stuff at his truck. So he just drove the hell out of there. I think it's interesting because like at least two of your stories have had very human elements to it where it's the people doing freaky stuff or doing stuff like like just odd or bizarre behaviors. Yes. And you know, the supernatural side is always scary, but human nature can be terrifying as well. Yes. Cause you just, you don't always know what people are going to do or if they're going to try to hurt you or not. Yeah. Especially strangers. And I imagine like as tough as truck drivers are things that spook them must really get to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, sure because they probably keep a lot of it to themselves or, you know, unless they're sharing their stories with other truckers. And I'm sure a lot a lot of them have heard of some crazy stuff out on the road. Yeah, I bet truck drivers probably have a lot of, like, tells of their own, like, you know, urban or what is that, folklore in amongst themselves. <laughs> yes. But um, that's it for me. I know you were the overachiever this week. You gave us 
three, actually almost four stories. They were all kind of short. <laughs> and I'm only doing one. Yeah, but I feel like you did a lot of research on yours. I did some research. So the story I'm going to cover is kind of related to Coles in the sense that it deals with a bridge that can be crossed either by car or on foot or by bike. Um, it's called the Goldbrook Covered Bridge in Stowe, Vermont. It's a well-known haunted bridge there. Um, it's known well enough that it's actually part of the tourist industry in that area. So um, they sell like postcards and stuff about the haunted bridge and people come out. A lot of ghost hunters have gone out and investigated the bridge, you know. So a lot of people have reported different paranormal activities happening out there. So just to give a little background on the bridge, um, it was built in 1844. It's single lane and it's 50 feet long. The thing about this bridge and a lot of bridges in the New England area is that they're covered bridges. So what that means is that they're a bridge, but they kind of have a roof on top. So it almost becomes like this tunnel, if you can imagine that. And tunnels are already creepy. Yes. So there's a rumor. Well, there's a local legend in this town, and it's part of um, the haunting. And it goes that either sometime between 1849 and 1949, there's not an exact date. A young woman killed herself on the bridge after being spurned by a lover. So there's two different tells um, that are related to this. The first one says, you know, she was to be married. She was waiting at the altar for her groom to show up. And when he didn't show up, she got into a carriage or a car. The story kind of changes, but it's either a horse carriage or a car. And she went down this bridge and like drove the... um, car carriage off of the bridge and that's how she killed herself the second story says once again this young woman she was waiting on her lover she was waiting for her lover on the bridge and when he didn't show up she hung herself from the raptors of the bridge oh my gosh so both tells involved this young woman waiting for her groom or her lover him not showing up and him killing herself I mean, her killing herself because of it. Um, People have reported on the bridge that when they're driving through the bridge, especially late at night between midnight and 3 a.m., sometimes they'll see her. um, They'll see like this ghostly figure of this woman and she'll attack their car. She'll leave scrape marks in the cars, like on the outside, the car's exterior. And um, some bikers or um, bicyclists, other people who have gone through the bridge, have reported getting scratches on their back. Ugh. So she's considered a malicious spirit. Um, there's also been other reports of like them hearing laughing or, you know, rustling of clothing, seeing lots of light, um, different things like that at night. Maybe she's just celebrating and they're just intruding. Um, they be- The bridge is, it's officially called Gold Brooks Covered Bridge. But unofficially and in local lore and stuff, it's called Emily's Covered Bridge because that is, they believe the name of the spirit to be Emily. And they believe that because apparently a young person was using a Ouija board on the bridge and they said the spirit called herself Emily. Isn't it bad to give a spirit a name? Uh, I would say so, but I would also say I'm not really the type to go out using a Ouija board, so... Yeah, I feel like if anyone was like, oh, I used a Ouija board to contact the spirit of a woman who killed herself on this bridge. And, you know, she likes to scratch and attack people in cars. I'd be like, um, 
maybe not. So the the um, legitimacy of the story is actually kind of like debated a lot. Some people say you don't really have this local legend popping up until like the 1960s and 1970s. And that's when it became a big legend. And then it just sort of spread from there. Um, but people still claim that they have had paranormal um, events happen or incidents happen to them on the bridge. There was one article I read where it was um, an investigative team called XPI went out. And one of the lead investigators, Alan Barnes, reported that their cameras, all of their cameras, they had like at least six or eight of them that were fully charged would die on the bridge. They would go to zero batteries within like 10 to 20 minutes of them being out there. And at one point, the rest of his team was in the car um, watching like cameras that were just monitoring the area. And he was on the bridge um, getting some readings. And he reported that his camera, which was fully charged, went dead within like 20 minutes. And that he felt something like brushing up against him. So he kept moving his light around and he couldn't see anything. And then something pushed him. And he ran back to the car and he asked him if they caught anything on the cameras. Um, and they told him that no, all of the cameras had died at the exact same time. Oh, that is super creepy. Yeah. And um, they've caught in like orbs, of course, on in photos, which a lot of people say like the orbs are kind of controversial because some people say it could be dust some people say it could be insects like there's a lot of argument about what orbs and pictures could be and then some people say like in some of the pictures they've taken they've caught in like almost the the image of a woman's face or something in the pictures now i want to say i do think some photos can be taken out of context but there are a lot of photos that just you know you stare at it immediately, you get it like a vibe, like it's unnatural. Mm -hmm. Well, part of what also makes this story controversial is a lot of ghosts, a lot of investigative teams have gone out there. A lot of people believe that paranormal stuff does happen at the bridge, but the reason the legend about Emily and her death kind of comes into debate is because there's no record of a young woman dying on that bridge or the other bridge in the area. So they don't know. There's no historical record of it. And then it's also believed that um, it's widely known in the area that there was this columnist named Nancy Steed. And she supposedly created the story in the early 1970s when witchcraft was becoming a big thing. And there's a lot of stories running about witchcraft and occults and um, local legends and were becoming like focused around that. She created the story and some of her friends added to it and it just kind of spread like wildfire. Now, that's not to say maybe the story of Emily's origin is actually wrong and there's no truth behind it. But I think it's, a lot of people do feel like they have had paranormal experiences at the bridge. Yeah, maybe it's not Emily. Maybe it's something else. But who's to know? Who knows? Yes, I just thought it was a creepy um, story. And also, I mean, like covered bridges. They, they can be very beautiful, but just imagining walking down that bridge and, you know, it ends up becoming more of a tunnel, especially at night when there's no sunlight and it's just darkness in there. It would be very scary. I kind of... It would also be kind of scary. I like this human connection, like not human connection, but I like this thing that like, you know, bridges, uh, train tracks, um, highways. I like are used to get from one place to another are also kind of like tied into supernatural as well 
it kind of makes me think of people back in the day thinking caves would lead to another dimension or world and that's kind of like our nowadays our bridges our train tracks and our highways oh yeah and i bet their caves and mountains still have a lot of of religious significance and still like if i was to go into a cave and I was in a small group. I mean, we've gone to the Carlsbad Caverns, but could you imagine going down there at night with just a small group of people? Um, I wanted to, it's funny you bring that up. I saw advertisement on Facebook saying it was like a scary uh, Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And it's like a picture of the road to hell in Carlsbad Cavern. And it's, it's not even a road to hell. It's the pathway to enter the cavern. That's funny. And I was just like, you can't drive on that. So no, it's like, you have to walk time. down it. But, you know, I can under, like, I just like the parallels between the caves and the bridges. And, you know, it kind of makes, like, I don't know, like, bridges, it's just interesting how they, uh, like, they're kind of like our bridges sometimes are, like, our way to connect with spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to say I did, when I was looking up the story, I kind of ran into a few other ones I thought was interesting. And one of them was about a playground in Alabama. And it's, um, the playground is right beside like a cemetery. And the reason it's there is because that way when people are, you know, paying their respects, if they have young children, they can go play at the playground while people are paying their respects to their loved ones. Well, this playground has gotten a reputation because people say, you know, you'll hear the swings moving on their own. You'll hear children's laughter, even if there's not children there. And so they believe, like, the spirits of the children who are buried in that playground, I mean, buried in the cemetery next to the playground, are coming to the playground to play. Oh, my. Oh my like, where was the thought process behind that? I get that. But they didn't. Okay, so playgrounds can already they're like that, um, what you said it earlier, what's that word? A uh, liminal space. A liminal space. Like, playgrounds are already super creepy when no one's around. Because, yes. like, you got the swings. I don't know, something about it. Kids, when a playground's empty and quiet, there's something uncanny about it. But then, you got a graveyard right next to it. It's like, it's the perfect scary combination. Yes, and I mean... We've all seen it in a horror movie where there's a swing or some type of like playground equipment in the backyard and it starts to move on its own. And you already know like um, something creepy is about to happen. It's like, okay, so churches aren't really creepy. They kind of got that like that liminal space. But as soon as you put a graveyard around the church, it's just. Now you've increased the creepiness and the potentialness of it being haunted. Yes, which a lot of churches are near cemeteries because that's kind of like they would do the service in the church, especially historical places. Like they would do the service in the church and then they would go and bury the dead in the church graveyard or the church cemetery. But I would say anytime you put a building in a cemetery, around a cemetery or the cemetery was there, for the building and the building was there for the cemetery it becomes a whole lot creepier like the cemeteries nowadays it's just you know all these plots of lands where people are buried and it's creepy but like as soon as you put a church in there or or a playground or like heck even a school it just ups the creepiness or a hospital yes i think anywhere where like people have spent a significant amount of time and poured a lot of energy and emotions into 
or like people have gotten sick or died or if it's connected to like the spiritual realm already such as such as churches you kind of have that element already there and it just needs a little bit of a push to make it creepier like here's a good example a graveyard is creepy just a graveyard but you go to a a morgue i believe that's what's called right yes immediately more creepier than a graveyard but i think it's because the bodies in there are being like processed does that make sense yeah but there's Whereas just some... in the graveyard they're supposed to be laid to rest yeah but could you imagine being alone in a morgue at night i don't know which would be worse being alone in a graveyard but i also think that i would rather be outside somewhere creepy than inside something creepy so I automatically think a creepy building is going to scare me more than a creepy property because at least if I'm outside in the woods or at a graveyard or somewhere, I can make a beeline for the property line and feel like I'm going to be safe. And a house, it's like you could get lost, you could get trapped, you could get to the doors and windows and not be able to get out. Yeah, that right there is the scariest, the trap part. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see one more thing when I was researching my different stories that I thought was interesting so in Georgia there's a lake called Lake Lanier I may be saying that wrong but it's a man-made lake and before it was made um, there was a town there and so they had to move all of the people out of that town and they did try to move a lot of the bodies out of the cemeteries and stuff and then that town the whole area got flooded with water and so it became a man-made lake well that lake is rumored to be haunted and there have been like a lot of boating accidents, a lot of fatalities there, a lot of people accidentally crashing their cars into that lake. And there's a legend that says it's because the angry spirits of the town people who had lived in that town before it got flooded and passed away before the town got flooded will pull down like the cars or the boats or the people towards the bottom of the lake. That's really, really creepy. Yes. <laughs> Is that where that one young man disappeared? Ah, uh, the one who had like he's like he he called it he like his parents were like thirty minutes away or something like that. I want to say he was out on the west coast. Oh, okay, that's a really yeah. creepy story too. That one was also creepy, and yes, the young man, his car was found near a lake. It wasn't submerged in the lake or anything; it was just parked near it. And his story is very creepy. Yeah. So. That's a really creepy story. <laughs> yeah, we are recording this late at night, and I'm in a I'm in a house, and there are other people, but I'm getting creeped out. <laughs> well, I'm in a house with my dog in the middle of nowhere, and I'm very creeped out right now. You live in a loving neighborhood. I live with a ranch as a neighborhood, as a neighbor, not a neighborhood. I live with a ranch as a neighbor and a plot of forest. So, yeah, it's creepy. And sometimes I do hear dogs barking and I'm like, where are these dogs coming from? Because the only neighbors I have are the ranch and an old lady at the very, very end of my road, which is like at least a mile down. And she doesn't have a dog. Mm -mm. And then sometimes I hear the coyote screaming at night or deer screaming. And that's very scary. So I want to tell you all one last story before we... um end it for tonight or end our podcast and this story is from when me and KK were younger we lived all the way out west in the middle of nowhere kind of in a pasture and um 
we were surrounded by the pasture and we lived like right how would you say it wasn't even a block would it would be like half a block away from my grandma I would say it would be like a house apart because it was like our house pasture and then her house yeah but you could like within like two minutes three minutes you could walk from our house to our grandma's house but you had to walk through a pasture Mm -hmm. by pasture so one night we're walking from my grand were we walking from nanny's house to our house we were walking from nanny's house to our house as we're leaving our grandmother's house it's getting late the sun's starting to set the Uh -uh, the sun was already down oh yeah it was it was dark and in the pasture you just hear the coyotes start to sing and immediately like back then it was like the pasture was alive full of coyotes and you're just hearing them sing and my beloved sister turns to me and she says what if of coyotes were just demons in disguise yeah and just <laughs> freaks me the fuck out and i just immediately start running running to the house and she we both did <laughs> And the thing you have to understand is our house and our grandmother's house was the property there in both of those places was already super creepy. Um, The people who had owned the land previously had mentioned to our mom that something bad had happened there, but never really went into details. And we had some experiences growing up that made us believe that the properties could be haunted. So, yes, it was already a scary atmosphere to be in. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just the combination of demon coyotes really kind of struck fear into me and made me want to get home as soon as possible. I will say, I will take the demon coyotes over a barking madman any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, especially if you're only two minutes away from your house. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else you want to add before we wrap this episode up? No, I think that's everything. I really enjoyed your scary story, and I hope you enjoyed mine. Oh, I did. I really liked yours. Um, Well, if you guys enjoyed this episode, we hope you tune in next week. We'll also be going over some urban legends or scary stories that we find. Um, And if you have any scary stories of your own that you want to tell us about, you can reach us at streaksandshiverpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we would love to hear from y'all. Thank you, guys. Hopefully you listen next week. Thank you. Bye.